Did you have a good Christmas? If you did, come on, clap your hands. Tell Jesus you love him. We had about 900 people over at our house, amen? And uh, it was good. We had a great time. Uh, what I want to do this morning is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this morning with a scripture. I'll start with this and then we'll jump in here. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. And I'm going to have Bree just stay up here for a second while we read and pray. But 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. I'm going to be speaking on the pursuit this morning, on pursuing. And uh, I'm believing God that this year we're going to pursue and God's going to do some very special things. 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 222 says this. Chapter 2, verse 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Now, there's a study that you can do on the evil desires of youth, but, but basically what that means is that as you grow, as you grow and as you mature, you look backwards at the things that you've learned. So scripture actually lays out some evil desires, but in a bigger picture, uh, what it's saying is that as you grow and as you mature, you begin to see the error of your ways or, or how to live life better or what sins or things that you can participate in that actually can bring harm to your life. And so uh, this verse starts out with flee the evil desires of youth. And then it says to pursue. Everyone say pursue. Pursue. So pursuing, we're moving forward into what God has for us. God's got some special things. And as you pursue, you leave behind some things that, that you have discovered are not as valuable as you thought they were when you were younger, okay? Now, if you're younger, it doesn't mean that you're living in sin and horrible. Amen, I love you. I'm just saying that we're moving forward and we are pursuing, okay? So, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so if our heart is pure and our motives are right, we really want to do all the things that God's called us to do. And here's what I find uh, in life with most people. Most people really want to do the will of God. They really do. I don't think I, I've met too many people in life that look at me and say, I just don't want to do the will of God. I just don't want to do it. Very, very few. Now, it has happened, but it doesn't happen very often. And most people... They want to do the will of God and they're pursuing God and they want to grow and they want to experience new things in God. But there has to be uh, a pure heart, a pure motive, but then there also has to be an action. Everyone say out loud, say pursue. Say it again, say pursue. So to pursue means that we're acting on something. Our, our pure heart towards God is causing us to want to chase after him, to want to pursue him and the things that he has for us. And so we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to help us to pursue the things of God, but uh, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those, along with those, that's all of us here today along with all of those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Father, I thank you today, Jesus, for all that you've done in our lives. And I pray a very specific prayer today. I pray that our church and every person who calls the Pearl Church their home, that their heart, their mind, and their spirit would begin to align with each other with the 
the will of God, the, the things that God has for us. I pray today that we would align ourselves with God's will and that we would chase after it and that we would pursue it. I pray that every person that calls this church their home would jump in and understand the spirit and the call of God on the house and on their own life. I, I just pray, Jesus, that we would get stirred in this next season, that it would actually, uh, pursuing would actually mess up a few things and, and uh, mess up our schedules a little bit and dip into our finances a little bit and create new relationships and maybe old relationship issues because what happens is, is that as we're pursuing, you begin to change and shift and mold us in your image according to your will with all of us that have a pure heart towards God. I'm asking you, God, to let us pursue what we are pursuing pursuing you today. We're coming after you today. <clears throat> we want more of you today. We want to hear your voice it, it clearer than we've ever heard it. We want to feel your presence and worship at a level we've never felt it. We want the word of God to come alive in us in a way that has never happened before. I pray the scriptures would leap off the page and into our spirit. <clears throat> that there would be transformation happening in each one of us. I pray, Father, that we would not shrink our vision down so low to where we would think that church means that living for God means to sit in a chair and to listen to sermons. Father, raise us up to be a voice in a generation. Amen. Raise us up to be a, a church in the city that prays and believes God and moves forward. That we would be pursuing and not sitting and not watching and not waiting. We're pursuing today. God, we love you. You're so incredible. You're so amazing. You have anointed us. You've called us for such a time as this. Amen. Father, we love you today. Bless the word in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. Come on, clap your hands for Jesus. <clears throat> I want you to stay. I just, it's really nice. I like it. Okay, so we're going to talk about, I'll let you go in just a minute. Just hang out. Okay. We're going to talk about pursuing today, and I'll, I'll define it for you. Um, fleeing the evil desires of youth and pursuing God, pursuing God. I've been pursuing God uh, for, since 1989, however many years that is. Halloween night, 1989. I gave my life to Jesus, uh, pursuing. You know, time flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah. You know, as I look back over my life. I, I was even looking over the holidays at pictures of my kids when we moved here. Uh, and you would, you would see a radical difference in how our family looks if you saw the photos. Kai was four, almost five, when we moved here. Kaylee was nine, <clears throat> um, and... Uh, we all had long hair, even the pastor, amen. I had, if you've ever seen pictures, let's not go there. Um, and uh, we moved out here in pursuit, in pursuit of something. My whole life I've been pursuing. And I, I think maybe it was because partly, maybe because of my background or, or how I felt about, you know, what God had for me when I did give my life to Jesus, but I've never stopped pursuing. And in that pursuit, my life has had some incredible moments and victories, but I've also had some really tough times and some tough years because I don't, I don't weigh my life out according to a standard that is cultural or that is media driven or that is financially driven. I, I, I weigh my life. My plumb line is scripture and the Holy Spirit. 
My, my plumb line is, am I following scripture? Am I doing God's will? And am I listening to the Holy Spirit and pursuing him in what he wants for my life? And so when you do that, you make decisions that aren't necessarily the most logical in the eyes of, of man or mankind or culture. <clears throat> because we're, we're the, the Bible says, we're, we're a living dichotomy. I mean, look, look at all of you today. Look at us here on a Sunday morning. The Bible says, the first shall be what? The first shall be, and the last shall be. Well, that's, a, that's dumb. Like, who does that? Who gets up in the morning and prays to be last? Who shows up to a race and prays, you know, give me some strength to be last today? Well, it's not in the natural. It's a spiritual living. It's a, it's a way that we think. It's a way that we live. We live a dichotomy that says God created us for a pur- purpose and for a reason. And so as we live each day, our job is to align ourselves with what God's will is. It's not necessarily how we think or, or how we feel, but it's what's God's will uh, for me today. And what it does is God puts his hand on you and he begins to use you in ways that you could never understand. And the more that we hold back and the more that we don't pursue, the more that we don't align, the more that we don't surrender, because really pursuing is really just surrendering. They're, they're two sides of the same coin. So while we're going after God, we're also surrendering to God and saying, Lord Jesus, use us any way that you want to use us. Um, a couple of pursuits in my life. Number one, uh, now I'm going to tell you a story, so you please don't think poorly of your pastor. But I, I think of the word pursuit. Not too long ago, uh, my wife and I were going to breakfast. We were actually meeting Reese and Sarah Bowling. They're the pastors of Orchard Road, and they're good friends of ours. We're having breakfast, and I pull into the parking lot, and someone rear-ended me. They, they hit our car, and the righteousness of God came over me just anointed me. Actually, what happened was, is, is here I am, I'm sitting there, and this guy, he rear ends us, and then he gets out to talk to me, and, and I say, okay, well, let me go get my insurance card. So I go to get my insurance card, and when I stuck my head through the driver's, or the passenger side window to get into the, the glove box, he bolts. He takes off. He jumps in his truck and just takes off down the road. And so that's when the righteousness of God came on me. <laughs> And Donna is still recovering from this, no joke. I said, Donna, <laughs> I said, put on your seatbelt. And uh, men, men, are you with me? I, I need some support right now. And a couple of ladies just gave me a shout out too. So, so I jump in my car and I take off and I am pursuing because he, here I am, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, if this guy gets away, then I'm going to have to pay for this myself. I'm going to have to make all the phone calls myself. That it's going to be my deductible. My car is going to get going to get all damaged, and I got to drive around with a bumped up, smashed up bumper. And I started to think about all of the things that were being taken from me while the the person who rear-ended me took off down down the road. And I just want to tell you that that from last year, some of you got rear-ended. You got rear-ended in life. But I've got a message for you. You're going to get back everything. Come on that the enemy stole from you. I jumped in my car. I took off down the road. I hit about 70 miles an hour. Donna starts to cry. Big tears. We have, she goes, we have children. We have children. I said, I know. And our 16-year-old, when she turns 16, she needs a car with a whole bumper. 
And so then I see a police officer. And the police officer, he's actually in front of me and I'm coming up on him really fast. And the other guys, he came up and pulled up like this. The other guy's taking off down the road. So I, I pull up next to the police officer really fast. And I start honking my horn at, at this guy. And he's looking at me. I don't know if that happens every day. But I'm honking and I'm yelling at him. He rolls down his, and I yell through the windows. I was like, hit and run. Somebody hit me. And I am in high-speed pursuit. <laughs> Didn't I? I go, well, I am in high-speed pursuit. And he looks at me and he gets a big smile and he goes, follow me. <laughs> Rolls up his window, turns on his lights, and here we go. Can I tell you, it's like a, it's a little boy's dream. It's a little boy's dream. I am going down Yosemite like 85 miles an hour behind a police officer with lights going and sirens. I'm laughing, I'm smiling, and I'm going, we got you. We got you. I'm going to get it all back. You can't steal from me. You can't get me. Some, some people live their life. They live their life in a state of mind that whenever you get taken or, or rear-ended or life comes and steals something from you, instead we just go in and we have breakfast like nothing happened. I got news for you. That is not the will of God. God wants to bring back into your life. He wants to put into your life. There are things that you lost that you didn't even know that you've lost because you didn't know they existed because we don't pursue. So I'm pursuing, right? This is getting better and larger. <laughs> no, and so I'm pursuing, and the guy, the guy finally pulls over, right? And I pull up next to him, and he goes, cop gets out. I pull over, and he goes over, and he starts talking to him. And they're coming back and forth, and getting the stories. And so um, the guy says to me, the police officer says to me, he says, hey. He says, um, so you're an interesting guy. <laughs> he says, what, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> And I want you to know that I do not break laws without permission. And that's why I'm happy to meet you today. Because I had a great time. I, and I asked, I said, how, how, did you have a great time? He goes, I always have a great time. I said, awesome. So he, we're standing there talking and the other guy's going to jail. It was all so good. And it, I, I kept thinking, I kept thinking maybe I should witness to him, but it just wasn't the right moment, you know. And the guy's, anyways, um, he goes to jail. And the police officer comes up to my window and he doesn't leave. And for the next 30 minutes, my wife will tell you, for the next 30 minutes, he stood there in the window of our car and he talked to me about Jesus for 30 minutes. And he was, uh, he was a youth pastor, an old youth pastor who had been hurt in church and things didn't go well for him. And, and uh, he had been visiting a church a little bit. And I said, listen, man, you need to go to church. We actually sat there and ministered to this guy for a half an hour. So here I am, and I'm sitting there. I'm thinking about what was stolen, what was about to be stolen from me. And now I'm thinking about what is about to come back into his life. Because so, they tried to take from me. He's already been stolen from. And now I'm putting something into his life that is missing. So as he was leaving a half an hour later, he said to me, I'm going to go to church this Sunday. I said, I'm good. I said, I'm proud of you, man. I said, thanks for hanging out with us on the side of the road. And, and uh, it's really fun. So said, but go to church. I haven't seen him since, but I believe he went to church the next Sunday because we had an incredible conversation, incredible conversation. So pursuing is, is knowing that there's something out there for you that 
that has been taken, but there's also something good. There's something good that God has. It's not just about what's been taken. So this morning, this morning, now I know not everybody knows what Periscope is, but I Periscope a little bit. It's a, it's a social media app where you can live stream yourself onto the web and you get followers. Like, anyways, the point is, on Sunday mornings, I have a new tradition and my, it drives Donna crazy because, because what I do is, because we live in Denver, people on the East Coast are two hours ahead of us. So they're already in church. So the way I get ready for church is to, is to live stream other people's church services onto my phone in the morning. So at like 6 a.m., she hears the noise. And all of a sudden, there's church in our, in our bedroom, and I've got a phone, and I'm watching somebody else's church service. This morning, I found this church service. It's big church back east, you know, gospel, music. This guy, I, I found out later, he's like a, He's a Grammy Award nominee, but basically this guy at church, this piano player, he took his phone and he set it on his piano and he pointed it at himself during the church service. So while church is going on, he's just playing. He's just having fun. This guy was playing his piano so, I mean, he was blowing that thing up. And And the more he played it, the more excited he got. And so then he starts laughing, and then the bass player starts laughing, and people in the choir, you can see them, and I've got it on my phone, and they're laughing, and I'm thinking, this is so good. This is so good. I can't wait to get in my car and get into their second service, right? So I get in my car. It gets so good on the way to church. I was so excited coming to church. The more he played the piano, the faster I started to drive. So I'm going down Smoky Hill. And he's just, his hands are flying and he's laughing and joking. And, and then the pastor starts, the pastor starts, this is, this is just like that, Bree. The pastor, oh, hold on. The pastor starts preaching and then the, the keyboard player went, da, da, da. No, it's really not even close. It's not even, it's, you know what? Let's stay in our flow. Um, we're the nice, okay. This guy starts playing. He's blowing up my phone in my car. I'm singing. I'm shouting. And you can, you can actually comment on this to them. So he's watching his phone. And so I, I get on my phone and he's looking. And my little comment comes up on his screen. Bro. That's how I start a lot of sentences. Bro. You're getting me too excited. I'm going to have to pull my car over. And he's like, and I see his face go, ah. He starts playing, and I'm all the way to church. I'm thinking, what does God have? What does God have for you this year? What does God have for me this year? What what does God, why can we not move into the new year with a little bit of organ, a little piano, and a little bit of, not that, and then, and and with with an understanding and an excitement and a a presence about us that says, you know what, no matter what the enemy throws at us, God's going to bring it all back. And by the way, there are some things the Bible says that no eye has seen, nor ear ever heard, nor mind ever conceived. The glorious things that God has in store for you, if you, as the verse said, love him, love him. This is going to be a great year. It's going to be a fantastic year. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be one for the books. And man, I'm so excited and I'm so thrilled because are we a new church? We're not as new as we used to be, but we're still sort of new. We're new around here. But when I look at what God's doing, I realize that he really is up to something. And uh, 
It's like the music in the spirit is starting to swell and the volume is shifting and the atmosphere is adjusting to the inevitable presence of God working in the lives of his people. How many of you can believe with me that this is the year we're gonna have? Come on, can you believe it this morning? It's the year we're gonna have. Now, Bree, thank you for that. Now, before second service, I want you to go work on a couple of those chords. Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. See, I told you the Holy Spirit's moving. Okay, well, let's thank Bree. She can go ahead and have her seat this morning. All right. It's the kind of year that we're gonna have. I'm gonna whip through some of these notes. I've got about 13 minutes. And uh, I want to, I want to, try, to try to give you the heartbeat of this if I can uh, in that amount of time. So everybody say the word pursue for me. Say it again, pursue. Uh, let me define pursuing for you or a spiritual pursuit this morning. A spiritual pursuit defined is this. It's the act of pursuing a vibrant, life-giving relationship with God. Now, we could stop there because we don't all have a vibrant, life-giving relationship. But it should be. I mean, God wants it to be. I think an understanding of Scripture and an understanding of theology, and especially of Paul's theology, shows us that in our worst moments, in our hardest moments of life, we can still have joy. As a matter of fact, Paul said, what kind of joy is this that calls it a blessing to suffer? That in the middle of our suffering, we can still have joy because, what, because of what God has done in our lives. So there is a life-giving vibrancy that needs to happen in our relationship. It's the spiritual commitment to the purposes of God and the Great Commission. Now, in our church this year, you will hear a lot about the Great Commission. The Great Commission is really the foundation stone of what the church is. Now, the church birthed in Acts, you know, Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, we see the church birthed. But from Jesus, from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, our purpose is to build the church, the Great Commission, to let the whole world know about the message of Jesus. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, we have the, the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, etc. So we, we're given the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that, but the Great Commission really is the foundation of it. And it's a passion for the local church and a love for God's people. Love God. Love, love people. Not everyone has a passion for the church. I believe that to have a passion for God but not have a passion for the church is a misdirect of your passion. Or at least your passion isn't complete enough. I think the scripture is replete with examples of how Paul and Jesus, they birthed the church. There's even a theology that says when, when the Bible talks about kingdom, it is synonymous with the church. Because the local church is, is how the kingdom of God is growing. It's the body of Christ. We're a body, we're not a thought. We're a body, we're not an idea. We're a body, we're not a concept. We're a body, we're not a philosophy. We're not even a theology, we are a body. So if you have a theology and a doctrine without a body, you have a message, but you have nowhere to, no way to share the message. You have no hands, you have no feet, you have no mouth. You have no way to preach it. 114 examples in scripture of where in the New Testament, where the writers of the New Testament were speaking directly to the local church. Out of about 120 examples of things being spoken to the church directly, 
in the Greek, ecclesia, the, the, the word church, out of 120, 114 of them were directed specifically at the local church. And so the local church is the body of Christ. Everybody is different. Everybody has their own, their own flavor and their own style. But a spiritual pursuit includes a passion for the church, a passion for God's people, a passion to see churches that will bring transformation to cities and regions and communities. A passion to see the, the things that are in Scripture actually come to pass as we pray. The Bible says that, that the Word of God is preached, but, but it's preached with a demonstration of the Spirit. It's preached with something that follows. It's, follows, um, it's followed by signs and wonders. And some people today, they just, they're so afraid of trying to, to, to do a sign or a wonder or pray for a miracle or pray for healing or, or pray for revival because we're so afraid that if it doesn't happen, then we're responsible for what, we're, what we said. But we're in actuality, we're only responsible for how we respond. It's not what you said, it's what God says. God says, believe. He says, stir your heart, stir your spirit. Let's believe big and let's pursue God, okay? So there are three kinds of people, three categories of people that struggle with pursuing. Let me give you these three. There's, I've actually got about seven, but I'm gonna give you three. And the reason is because I think these three fit most accurately, our culture today. The first one is what I call a sovereignist. A sovereignist is a person who uses the sovereignty of God as an excuse to live fatalistically. So the, the sovereignist says, God's in control, I'm not. Therefore, if God wants to do it, then God will do it. He doesn't need my help. Well, that's like saying we have a spirit but we don't have a body. And so much of what Paul said in scripture is directed at the body. Jesus was speaking to the body. He was speaking to the disciples who would become the body. So the sovereignist, they say, we're just here to follow. God's in control, so he doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to be a part of anything. He just, when he wants to do it, he will. See, he, he will, I'm like a puppet, so he's going to grab the strings that are attached to my body, and because he's in charge and I'm not, when he's ready to move me, he'll pull my strings. God did not create people with strings. You are not a puppet. You are a person. You have a personhood. You have a choice. You have a, a spirit that God can stir, but it's up to God's people to pursue. I remember one time I was at a citywide prayer meeting with 10, 15,000 people and all these churches and I was so excited and young and idealistic. I was standing there next to a group of people and uh, the pastor in the pulpit in the stadium, it was in the Rose Garden in Portland, Oregon. He said, now I want all of you to grab hands and to pray for the city. And I was, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's pray for the city. So I get in a little group of people that I don't know and I did my young, passionate, idealistic prayer. So I just, I, and I think I broke their hands. I was so excited, I started to squeeze. Have you ever noticed sometimes you get excited and you don't notice you're squeezing like in a movie? You know, we, we saw some, one movie one time and, and my wife got scared and, and um, when she looked over, I was actually on the floor and she was squeezing my hand and she broke it. It took years to heal. And um, 
But you know, so I'm holding their hands and I just begin to pray. I'm like, Jesus, I pray for revival. I pray you'd move in the city. I pray for every church, every pastor, that they would come alive with the gospel. I pray the Great Commission would would flow. I pray for the Holy Spirit to do miracles. I pray that people would be healed. Lord, I pray that you'd move in and out of the strife. I, I just prayed and prayed and prayed. I started to get louder and louder, and then it was somebody else's turn to pray. And the God is in control sovereignist was the next person because it was so funny. It was so awkward because I just, I stopped. And there was this long, awkward pause. And then this very nice lady said this in her prayer. Heavenly Father, help us to not tell you what to do. Amen. And I remember sitting there thinking, who would do that? Who would do that? And I realized she was talking about me. My my prayer, it was like I was telling God what what to do. There's nothing, see, I believe in the sovereignty of God, but I also believe that his body has to respond to what God says, what God wants to do, the vision that God gives us. And by, look at us, we're just little humans. You're not gonna say anything right anyways. Can can I just tell you that as as human beings, we're not Jesus, you're not sovereign. We don't even have his language. We don't, you're not gonna say it right. If we hold each other accountable for every single thing that we say, because it has to be said perfectly, you know what you become? You become a sovereignist. A sovereignist never says anything because they're afraid that we might offend the heavenly, the Father in heaven. You're not gonna offend them unless we just do nothing. And then he's gonna go find somebody else to do what he's been asking you to do. There's nothing wrong with praying and believing God that he's gonna do something powerful. That's the spirit of God inside us. We're not gonna say it right. But the sovereignist, they say God's in control. I know God's in control, but God also wants to see us be passionate. The Bible says that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. If God didn't want us to pray, he wouldn't want us to avail. He wouldn't want us to be fervent. He wouldn't want us to to be excited and and to raise our voice. He would just say, everyone be quiet. Everyone sit down. Nobody do anything. I got this, and I don't need you. I don't need my body. The second person is a functionalist. A functionalist is a person who just wants it to work. A functionalist is a person who looks at society And they see it the way that it is, and they say, this is what I have to live with. This is what I've got to deal with, and I just want it to work. Now, by the way, that prayer, that thought, I just want it to work, I don't know a single person in my life who's never said that to the Lord. Especially when you're up against a wall and you're struggling. It can be a relationship thing. It can be a finance thing. And I've said many times, Lord, please just let this work out. I want this to work. If you've ever said, Lord, I just need it to work, you were speaking from the functionalist perspective because what God wants us to do is, yes, I want this to work. That's a prayer. That's birth from the Holy Spirit. But God, when you say, God, I just want it to work, he doesn't doesn't just go, okay, I'm gonna give you the status quo and I'm gonna make sure that everything that you do is average and normal and status quo so that all that it does is work. But God is not an all that it needs to do is work God. 
He doesn't just need it to work. He wants it to change. See, some things that we pray that for them to work, God wants us to begin to pray that they change. Because we can have something work every day, but what it is that's working is not causing us to grow. It's not causing us to be transformed. It's not, an, it's not a big faith kind of living. It's not a big faith prayer. And, and I'm believing for some of you, last year we did it and, it, and I have many testimonies. People say, I just, I want my job to change. I want my boss to be, to be nice to me and I want to get a raise. And so I pray, let the boss be nicer and give them a raise. And then Jesus, let them get a brand new job that pays twice as much money and they can be the boss. And they always kind of, <laughs> always gets awkward. And then I say, no, I mean that. You need more. God wants you to have, have a, a, a more influence and impact for him. And so sometimes what we're praying to work, we should be praying that it changes. And then the next one is the moralist. You've all heard this. Some people, they can't pursue because they're moralists. A moralist is a person who's concerned about living morally and who holds others to the same moral standard. So the moralist is worried about living morally, living right. Well, the problem with the moralist is that their moralism deceives them that get deceived in two ways. First, they become legalistic. Because what happens is, I'm gonna live morally, so my spirituality is now based on my actions. Now, this is gonna be a year of get real. Everyone say, get real. Do I have your permission to get real? Now, when I do this, I don't mean, I, I'm gonna try to not say anything too crazy because I don't mean to, to say anything to ever offend anyone. My, my wife is already worried with my preamble. <laughs> but the moralist, the moralist has a checklist. The moralist has a checklist that they go down in their spirit, even if they don't know they have a checklist, they have a checklist. And the checklist doesn't just have things on it like go to church and tithe. You see, it's funny because the moralist doesn't have a problem with tithing because the moralist has tithing on the checklist. It's in giving above and beyond the tithe that the moralist has a problem with because the moralist can always say, I tithe. I tithe, I'm a tither. And, and churches can be like, hey, we have a church full of tithers. That's awesome, that's incredible, amazing, church of tithers. So we, we go to church, we tithe, we have a certain language, we dress a certain way. And the other thing that's on their list, though, that they don't like to talk about, and I've been this way in my life, is I don't want to look weird. I don't want to get too spiritual. I don't want to be too excited about God because then my hair is going to get messed up. But in the day of product, it, it doesn't happen. So, you know, when I grew up, you had gel. And today we have product. Product comes from the cement company. And cement companies have, have just for the people who are afraid of getting their hair messed up, God just gave us a new thing called product. And you don't have to worry about it because the moralist says, the moralist says I can't get too excited because then I'm not going to look sophisticated. I can't get too, um, I, can't, I couldn't dance in church because then my shirt's going to come untucked. And, and then I can't, you know, I can't, if I act a certain way, then, then people are going to like me. And I don't want to lose my influence. So that means I've got to make sure that I, and the moralist actually begins to live their life legalistically even though they don't notice it right away because they've checked off everything on the checklist. But there's a few things on the checklist that a lot of times we don't find on the moralist checklist. Things like show up to the prayer meeting. We're gonna have a prayer meeting. 
in January as part of this pursuit on a Wednesday night, a, a good old-fashioned prayer meeting, the kind of prayer meeting that, that might go a little while. It's going to go more than 45 minutes. The Bible says, can you not tarry for one hour? Some people have never, I mean, to tarry, to pray for one hour is like, it's like science fiction. No one does that unless they're a clone. Prayer clones. Prayer androids. And we just put them in a room and they'll pray for hours. But for me to pray for an hour, things like, things like give extra finance to help a missionary in Africa or China or in, um, in, in Cambodia. We're working in Cambodia right now. We have one of the most impacting churches in all of Cambodia that we work with that's a part of our movement. And, and, and at some place along the line, when God begins to move, when God begins to move, the first people to get frustrated are often the moralists because the moralists... They, they say, oh, it's about moral issues. No, it's about a life. It's about living a certain way where you're not bucks. Are you all with me today? Yeah. See, we got to get rid of, we got to take our checklist and, and on the checklist, it, it should say, tear up your checklist. It should be like the last thing I have my, is your checklist done yet? Yeah, now tear it up. Because if God wants to do something, if God wants to blow, then let him blow. And revival can often be messy, we understand that, but it's our job to put up our sails. Some people are just spiritual enough to frustrate themselves their whole life. And that's, that's not the kind of person we want to be. So we got the moralist. Pursue Jesus and his will. I want you to know I've never met a single person ever in my life that if they were pursuing Jesus, if they really were getting up in the morning and saying, Jesus, I want to be the man of God that you've called me to be. I want to be the woman of God that you've created me to be. How can I pursue you this year to experience more of you? I've never met a person who genuinely, sincerely pursues God and pursues Jesus that ends up as a moralist or a functionalist or a sovereignist because Christianity becomes very relational. It's, it's not structural, it's relational, it's dynamic, it's organic, it's, it's, it's like being married. That's why the Bible uses marriage as a metaphor. It's like being married. Marriage can be emotional. Marriage can be difficult. Marriage can also be the best days of your life, the best experience of your life, but it's not just one way. So we pursue Jesus and all of a sudden one day we realize that we're in a relationship with Jesus and that relationship is taking us somewhere amazing. Okay, let's do this. I want you to stand to your feet this morning, put everything down, and let's ask the Lord today to bless us in our pursuit 2016. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to pick up the book. On the 10th of January, starting in the first chapter, we're all going to do devotions out of that chapter. The book is $10. I think we lose a dollar on every book or a couple bucks. They are available in the lobby. And uh, I didn't know how many to get, so I bought a pile. And we'll just see how they go. But buy the book. The prayer and fasting guidelines are available today at the information counter. You can just pick one up, read through it. And next week, I'm going to bring it all together. And on January 10th, 21 days of prayer and fasting, 21 days of pursuing God, 21 days of believing big, 21 days to get out of our comfort zone, 21 days to stir it up, shake it up a little bit. Come on, 21 days to say to Jesus, this is gonna be the best year of my life. I want you to say that out loud. Say, it is going to be, say it. It is going to be the best year of my life. Now say this, in Jesus. 
in Jesus, because that changes everything, right? Pick up the book, follow with us on the 10th. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for what you've done in our lives today. I thank you, Lord, that you are a good God who has a good plan for your people. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, and maybe your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is strained or, or it's in the past or maybe you've just struggled and almost given up, even today. There's somebody here today, I know it, the, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. There's somebody here today who literally is thinking about giving up and all week long you have been struggling with whether or not you're going to make it as a Christian, whether or not you can make it in church. Listen, you're not gonna make it in church but you can make it in a relationship with Jesus because he loves you and we're saved by grace grace and he's got a great plan for you. People, bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you need to know Jesus in a fresh, dynamic, life-giving way, I want you to lift your hand right now before we go. And I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, there's hands around the room. Jesus, I thank you for these hands. And I pray that you would rush, pour, um, that you would invade their spirit, invade their mind and their life, and that they would explode with the joy of knowing Christ, to know that their sins are forgiven and that the, the Holy Spirit is on them. You've got a plan. Amen. He's got a plan. You are not planless. Father, today, I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for your goodness, and together, we are going to declare this. Jesus, we love you. Okay, with your eyes closed, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now and say this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, come on, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace. You are good to me. You're a good God, and today, I declare my pursuit 